0: We are going to do something slightly different this morning. We're not going to do straight talk or anything like that. We're going to have a conversation. So Melanie's going to lead us and Brenda as well. And yeah.
1: So as Tim mentioned earlier, today's theme is um, slavery and freedom. Um, And it's been wonderful to see Darren's baptism this morning um, as an expression of his spiritual freedom in Christ. But for the rest of the service, um, and to mark anti-slavery week, we're going to focus on the issue of slavery and how we can respond as a church. So the first thing we're going to do, actually, is watch a video from the Christian charity International Justice Mission, which uh, works to combat cases of modern slavery and rescue those affected um, and re- yes, rescue those affected, and that's throughout the world. So we're going to watch that video first, uh, and then after that, I shall be putting some questions um, to the panel on and exploring this a little bit further. So if we could have the video, thank you. Okay, yeah, that was quite um, a powerful video on on uh, slavery that's going on today. So. I'm going to just ask a few questions now. Um, And there's two things, really. There's the past, um, and there's also modern-day slavery that exists today, which I think that video captured very well. So, coming to Brenda, first of all, and I'll pass you the mic. Where do you see St. Swithin's in the debate on slavery in Bath?
2: Where do I see St. Swithin's in the debate? Okay, so I'm not hearing this very well. (laughs) It's just me or everybody this morning. Um, Well, it's taken me a long time um, to sort of connect this fabulous church and this wonderful city with slavery. It was built on the money made from slavery. And I don't know about you, but I just found that connection really, really difficult. They don't, you know, how how could it be? But it was. It was, it was the labour of slaves and um, their lives that paid for this. And that just seems impossible. Um, and I'll just say one thing that actually brought it to... Um, for me to understand it better, apart from being in Ghana and Gambia and having experiences there, with people there um, who had a different history to mine. And confronting me with my history and their history which was um, devastating as you can imagine but the thing that brought it to mind when it comes to here and now was a program by an English professor in a New York University in New York University and he said that the country houses and the 18th century landscape that we enjoy now, Durham and and so on. There is no single person, not an Amazon boss, not a Tesla boss, not a country, absolutely no one in this world could produce what we produced in the 18th century, where we made hills, we changed the course of rivers, we built the houses that we built, the amount of money that was flowing through the country then on slavery was so enormous it couldn't be reproduced in this world today. And that somehow or other got through to me in a way that other things hadn't. Um, So coming back to, that's my understanding. So yes, we've got a lot of work to do.
1: Thank you Brenda. So Tim, where does the, what does the Bible have to say about justice
0: um, i 'll just sort that out in two minutes should I uh, in terms of what the Bible has lots to say about justice, and having a vision for justice uh, as a Christian but also as a church is really important so what we 've done uh, today in baptizing someone in recognizing both the beauty of the world that God created with our fallenness and that Jesus came into it uh, because it was broken, because there was injustice, because it'd gone, things had gone wrong, actually is at the heart of the Christian message. And it doesn't just stop there. He then leaves us a spirit so we can see God's kingdom come on this earth. And so we can be the people who bring his kind of justice and his kind of righteousness into the world. Now, the tricky bit of that, of course, is that Um, sometimes as a church, we get things wrong, don't we? And actually, for all sorts of reasons, whether that's through, um, there's all sorts of reasons we do that, even when we're well-intentioned. So having some kind of vision for justice, it isn't just i recognising wrong and I want to do something about it, but actually some sense of the biblical picture of vision of justice rather than just a sense that things aren't all right in the world and I want to do something. And you may say, well, okay, just give me a little snapshot of what that is. Well, how do we hold justice and mercy together? You know, actually, we do justice and mercy together. We don't just get angry with everybody because things have gone wrong. We see, we pray that God's kingdom would come on this earth. We're able to see that people want a vision of beauty, justice, mercy, love, and grace all found together. And that's only found in Christ. I, I know we've spent last six months or so looking at the Sermon on partly the Fruit of the Spirit, but also some of the Sermon on the Mount, which goes, shows God's heart for a different kind of society, a different kind of community, a different kind of people that doesn't look like the world's view of justice. So a couple of things I'd just quickly say. So I come back to lots of the writings of the prophets in the Old Testament as well, you know, of how important justice is to God, Actually, justice matters to God. It's not like a side issue. I think sometimes we've kind of thought, oh, just maybe that's for other people to sort. You know, if our destination is heaven, then maybe we don't need to be concerned about earth. But that isn't a biblical understanding of our lives. But Isaiah 61, Jesus in the temple, beginning his ministry, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for those for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. There will be oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of God's splendor, and so that call for us to be a church who demonstrate and show and live and breathe uh, justice is a, I think that just can I just quickly say three or four things, yes. quick bullet pointy things, that actually lots of people are very aware that not all so well in the world and want to do something, but having a biblical vision of justice that's just different from wanting to do stuff. Here, here's sort of three or four, four or five things that. Uh, I think a distinctive one of which is in the biblical world. It is all about community. It's not just about personal rights. So, if you read through Scripture, what I have is yours. We share what we have. We hang or fall about how we do things as a community. That's a biblical vision, both in Deuteronomy, but all the way through into the New Testament too. Kind of God loves equity. We treat people equally. The ground before the cross is flat and all come. There's no hierarchy. We come to the cross evenly. Whether you're a vicar, you think you're the worst of the worst here this morning, we come before God as equal in his eyes. Second is we do, The other thing, quickly, we do take responsibility for sin. We don't pretend it's not there. We recognize the seriousness of the brokenness of the world, both as a church, as a community, but also individually, and take responsibility for that, take responsibility for my failures, take responsibility for our sins, take the opportunity to repent and find freedom again. Uh, And then I think the last thing I'd just quickly say is that we can be advocates. One of the great pieces of work RGM do uh, is that they try and change systems as well as just influence individual lives. They're trying to kind of help... It make look more like God's kingdom rather than just doing stuff.
1: Okay, That's thank you for that, Tim. So, coming back, Brenda, to our history, in the light of our history, is there anything that you think that we need to do? And based on, also on, on, on what Tim's just said.
2: Yes, <laughs> De- definitely, <laughs> um, three things come to mind, um, it's true I hear people say, well you can't change history, move on, that's the very common response, um, and it's true we can't change history, but we can tell the full story, the true honest story, the whole story. Um, For me, I had first become willing to to take on those disquieting truths of being a Christian and accepting that what had been done and how I'd benefited. And that was uncomfortable is not the right word. I can't tell you what that was like. That was just awful. Um, And it's only when we understand the enormity of the wealth that came from slavery can we begin to understand it corresponds directly with the human suffering that produced that wealth. And so coming from that feeling, which is a feeling none of us want to feel, um, I think our response needs to be, beyond telling the full story, is lament. And how long that takes, I don't know. It would, like Sue said, her sharing this morning, she's 40, 50 years on in in this particular journey. I don't know how long it takes, but lament, I think, is the essential thing that we need to do. And having followed through on that, I think we move towards what can we do to make amends. That's my sense of things.
1: So, in, in the short term, what you're saying is then that lament is, is a key thing and, and, and to acknowledge that
2: uh, before we can move on. Okay. When I say lament, what I'm also, I think, saying is we need to get in line with how God feels about what happened, how that, that hurt God. You know, if God is looking at us behaving in a way that is not acceptable to him, it's painful for him. And I think we've got to feel that pain along with him before we can move fully on.
1: Thank you for that, Brenda. So, Tim, what do you think um, that this means for St. Swithin's?
0: Um, um, Just a few things I would sort of add or come from those, one of which is, I suppose all of us have a history, um, and recognizing what that is, and then being able to deal with that well, is one of the things I think we need to do. So what I mean by that is, is that when Sue stood up, and when other people have stood up and said, "Actually, has God forgiven us?" It's kind of, has he? Personally, has he? Corporately, and so. That's the kind of thing, because actually, generation after generation, um, one of the signs, one of the, one of the things the Bible talks about is the fruit of repentance. One of the fruits of repentance is the fact that you sort of break the cycle, and you start to step into what God's calling you to be like. So, so that's kind of part of it. Um, and then I think it's just working out how you can, what steps can you take, in terms of taking responsibility, and the things I can do, that will make a difference as a response to um, the in, the injustice in the world. And uh, is this something that God's asking me to to do? Can I hear what He might say in my own life and uh, respond personally? And then I think more than that, it's then there may be some things we sort of set. This as one of the priorities in terms of justice for us as a church to say we need to do something, uh, and that's not because we want to kind of pay for our sins in a kind of very sort of uh, apologies to Catholics by the way uh, for in a kind of that kind of way we've got to earn our way back to God's favor but it's a sense of actually God has freed us the story of the spirit of God we are liberated so in that in the fruit of that liberation now we know need to go and share that good news share that kingdom share all that God has done for us to bless others and so I think there's an overflow of all that God has done that's means that we can find bits of our world to touch or to help or to do, some of which we already do, uh, but some of which we're kind of looking to see what we can do as well.
1: So there's our sort of personal response. Um, And I guess in some ways, yes, Darren was a great witness this morning, Um, you know, asking forgiveness and being set free. Um, And so our personal response to what's, gone on in the past but also uh corporate Mm -hmm. response and what what we do as a church okay thank you for that so i've just got two two more questions which i'm going to put to bex here so we've talked a lot about the past and the history in um, in bath but what is modern slavery particularly in the uk and where does it happen bex
3: thanks melanie um so modern slavery there's lots of kind of legal definitions but essentially it's when somebody's freedom is taken away under exploitation for somebody else's gain so it's not for that person's own benefit that they're put to work or that they're working or that they're um, acting in a particular way, they're, they're, they're exploited for somebody else's. Um, gain and that might be um, human trafficking so that's kind of the process of how that happens so somebody's freedom is taken away um, forcibly Um, that can be across borders but actually it's not, it doesn't have to be Um, that can happen um, within the same country as well. Um, It could be forced labour where somebody's made to work against their will. Um, It might be debt bondage so people are made to pay off often a a manufactured debt that hasn't really existed but they've been tricked into paying something that they're then forced to pay off Um, or it could be sexual exploitation Um, and as we saw in the video just now it happens globally absolutely across the world um there's almost 50 million people trapped in slavery across the world and my kind of light bulb moment like brenda's um for for, uh, what she was talking about my light bulb moment was when i realized that that's more than any point in human history So right now, there are more slaves in the world than there ever have been before. Um, And it particularly affects women and girls, um, particularly. Um, But it does also happen here in the UK. So um, here at the moment, um, about 136,000 people are estimated to be in slavery. and that's in lots of situations. We might Some might come to mind, but some might be less obvious. So um, it happens um, with people being forced to work, for example, in factories, in hotels, in brothels, in construction sites, um, nail bars, car washes, farms, even in domestic homes. Um, and as I say, that's often um, because they've been... Um, perhaps tricked into coming thinking that they were uh, taking on some work that they thought was going to be one thing and turns out to be actually exploitation um, and it, it really just happens in plain sight I think that's what struck me when I first started learning about this um, and I just thought I'd, I'd highlight a sort of typical example um, of forced labour so for example um, someone may have been brought to this country or they might have been approached when they're on the street for example um, in a vulnerable position and been offered what they thought was an opportunity for work um, whereas in fact they're taken a long way away from their own networks, from where they thought they were going to be. Um, their ID would be taken away. Um, they're often forced to live in squalid conditions with lots of people in the same um, building. They might be driven to work each day in a van together, perhaps watched and then driven back at the end of the day. They've got no chance of, um, of, of getting away. Um, they're either not paid at all or the pay that, they're, that the person who's controlling that um, That that might be a legitimate, ultimately, a legitimate um, situation like a hotel or a construction site, but the person who's paying them doesn't realise actually their wages are all going into the same account, so they never see them. They're going into an account controlled by the traffickers. Um, And they're kept there by by fear, coercion, maybe violence, um, perhaps even threat to their families. Um, And I think another thing, finally, on this question that struck me was that this can happen really close to home. You know, a few years ago, there was an ale bar in Bath that this happened, um, that was uncovered. Um, A meat packing factory in Bridgewater Um, in the last few years too. So it really is kind of on our doorstep. It's uncomfortable, but it's it's right there. Thanks, Bex, for that.
1: Um, I think for me, knowing that actually it's happening in Somerset, it was quite scary, really. Um, So how can we, we've heard a lot today, but how can we respond as a
3: church? Thank you. So I did my best to come up with an acronym to help us remember (laughs) the five things that I thought we could do. Um, And there is a lot we can do. I think, you know, it's not it's a very desperate situation. But actually, we we have a God of hope and a God of justice. And actually, we can we can really play our part. So um, I had five things which... um, My acronym is PLEAD, which is a slightly sort of, um, I guess, an appropriate acronym in some ways, Um, that, you know, people are pleading for their freedom, but we can plead to God. So we can pray, obviously, for those in slavery and exploitation around the world. And, you know, we've seen there are amazing people doing amazing things, actually, to to tackle this. So let's pray and support them. Um, I think we can learn. Um, So you should have had a handout when you came in. Um, There's lots of um, organizations, Christian and other organizations, that um, have put together um, tips. Tips and guidance on how we can spot the signs of slavery um, in our communities. You know, just becoming aware of that, I think, is a really um a really positive um, step that we can we can take. I was at New Wine this year and went to a talk by um, one of the Christian organisations, Hope for Justice. They'd given some training to a church in Birmingham, um, and actually then were contacted um, by somebody from this church who said, "We think we've spotted something," um, and they had. And actually, ultimately, a very long story short, a um, hundred people were released from slavery as a result of that that church having become more aware and spotted those signs. Um, I think we can engage. So that's my E, um, engage politically maybe um, following Wilberforce's example let's let's advocate let's um, write to our MP about things that concern us so for example um just this week, actually, um, well, going back a few years, um, when Theresa May was Home Secretary, we had the fir- we were the first country in the world to have a modern slavery act, which is brilliant. We're really leading the way. But actually, the impetus for that has been lost um, a little bit recently, and actually, particularly this week, um, modern slavery was reclassified as an immigration issue and not a safeguarding issue, which means that those UK people trapped in slavery are not going to be caught by by that because it's seen as an immigration thing um, rather than safeguarding. So people, so adults and children here um, might you know miss out on that protection so that's one thing we could be writing to our MPs and just raising awareness Um, and then we can act you know really personally and corporately so even things like thinking about our shopping decisions our food our fashion you know where does that come from but actually as a church I'd really love us to see to take kind of ownership of this issue and really collectively um, see it as something that we can make a difference on um, and then finally, we can donate or give um, to organisations like IJM, Hope for Justice. Those, those, you know, if we're able to, um, in a position to give, that would be amazing too. Um, so, yeah, there's some pointers in the handout. If anybody wants to chat afterwards, very happy to as well. Can you just repeat the, uh, the letter? <laughs> so it's plead, so P for pray, L for learn, E for engage... A, for act, and D, for donate.
1: Okay, thank you for that, Bex. So, finally, we're just going to finish with another video from the Church of England's um, CLUA initiative, which some of you may have heard about, and this focuses on modern slavery in the UK.
3: Okay, these are these are hard things to think about, but as I said before, we have a God of hope. Um, so let's let's pray together um, to that God right now. So many of these prayers have been written especially for today, and actually, um, we're joining therefore together with many Christians in bringing this before God now. Father God, your word speaks to us so strongly on slavery and justice. You are a refuge for the oppressed. You proclaim freedom for the prisoners. You are close to the broken-hearted. You are a voice for the voiceless. You make right decisions for the downtrodden. You redeemed your people from slavery, and you restore people. In the words of Hope for Justice, we believe in a God who saves, sets free, binds up, helps, heals, delivers, restores. We know that your heart breaks with ours when you see your precious children exploited and enslaved, but we also thank you for the hope and freedom you bring. Lord Jesus Christ, we join our prayers with people across the world to ask for your guidance and grace that we may learn to notice the unnoticed, especially those trapped in modern slavery. Lord, have mercy. We pray for the many agencies working to root out the evil of slavery, trafficking and exploitation across the world and bringing freedom to those being exploited. Bless their work, keep them safe in dangerous situations and bring your justice to bear through them. Please give also wisdom and your guidance to decision makers, politicians, law enforcement bodies and support agencies. We pray for so many of our sisters and brothers who are suffering through forced labor, sexual exploitation, domestic servitude, forced begging, county lines drug trading, forced marriage or forced organ donation. Lord have mercy. Especially we ask for the courage and wisdom to discern how we might play a part in reaching out with your love and your healing and in helping our own communities to become more slavery free. Lord, have mercy. And a final prayer for this anti-slavery day. Holy God, you enabled your people to escape from slavery and learn to live more fully in your promised land. Inspire your church to work for freedom for all who are enslaved in our midst today. Give us grace to bear the light of Christ to all who are suffering in slavery, and lead us to reach out with care and compassion that your saving love may be made known and your healing presence provide blessing and new life. We make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who for our sake took the nature of a slave, humbled himself and died on the cross, yet rose again to bring new life to all who seek freedom and fulfilment. Amen.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Just before we uh, move on, Um, Because we're going to worship in a second as part of our response. I'd just like us to be still. I'd like to continue to close your eyes as Bex has just led us in prayer. And just before we come to sing, um, just maybe you could ask God as you close your eyes, what what do you think He might be asking me to do this week? How can I make a difference to somebody who I know is in need? What can I do in response to all the information I've heard and all the stories I've heard? Father, we ask for your help. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fall afresh upon us as a church to see what part we can play and not standing by. All week I've had the Good Samaritan in my mind. And that's the passage that shaped Genesis too. Father, help us to see where you're calling us to bless people, to reach out to people, to touch people's lives not to be consumed by fear or busyness, but to realize that actually with you and offering our lives, we can make a difference to people around us, both in this country and around. Thank you that you are our hope. In Jesus' name, amen.